You are entering the Freedom Hut. Fallout from the momentous op-ed written anonymously in the pages of the New York Times that claims a deep state is alive and well, though they call it a steady state. We'll talk about who we think may be behind this and also how the media clearly overplayed its hand and made a strategic error with this, plus the latest on the looning left and their Democrat senators at the Kavanaugh hearings. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One more Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. In a stunning new op-ed in the New York Times, an unnamed top Trump administration official excoriates the president and reveals a resistance block within the Trump team trying to protect the country from the commander-in-chief. It is an extraordinary piece in the New York Times that really backs up Bob Woodward's book. The column in the New York Times is extraordinary. I've never seen anything like this in modern presidential history. This is incredibly unusual, almost unprecedented. Incredibly. Incredibly unusual. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Media running wild with the whole New York Times op-ed yesterday, as we knew they would. Here's what's fun, though. They've made an error. They have made a mistake, a a tactical uh uh-oh, a whoopsie, uh, because this isn't going to result in what they want, which is a new uh, ferocity of anti-Trumpism that could turn to a, and we'll get into the whole 25th Amendment thing shortly, but that's what they're hoping to do now. Uh, It's a problem because they have now affirmed really or rather it has been affirmed via the new york times's own hand in a sense or at least the new york times has given the platform to show us all what's going on that there is a deep state this is real there are people inside of the government including those who are i would assume republicans who view their role as undermining the president of the united states and that somebody could be in a position of authority in the government working for the president, a senior administration official, and be so lacking in self-awareness as to think that the, the proper way to do this is to anonymously publish it. Why anonymously? You know, this, this is all, let, let's just take a step back for a moment. Does anybody really think that the person who wrote this, if they attached their name to it, would not immediately be in a position to be on every TV show uh, with a large, every new show with a large audience in the country, get a book deal right away, probably sign up for fifty dollars to $100,000 a speech on the speaking circuit right away, and be heralded by the left as some kind of resistance hero. I don't know how anybody can think that what I'm saying is not true. What is really the risk? Okay, yeah, if you say it, there'll be some Trump, there'll be some Trump supporters that say terrible things, and I'm sure there'll be some threats. And but people get threats in this business in the media all the time. The threats is that's not new, that's not unusual. And if you're going to take this step, 
where now you could be outed, and I have to wonder if the source will in fact be outed, why not do so in such a way that it could actually mean something? All it has done, folks, is confirmed what we've thought all along, uh, which is that there are people in the government who think that they can work in an undemocratic, unelected fashion to undermine the votes of over 60 million Americans. And that they would do so while keeping their their job is cowardice. And I I have to tell you a, a few things that come to mind about this. One is I, I do not believe, I've seen some of the names that are out there, I do not believe this is anybody who is an oh-my-gosh level person in the White House. I do not believe it. And there's already been a whole slew of people, and you know, Pompeo and uh, Kudlow, and I mean, I, I can't even think of. There's a whole bunch. There's like a dozen or so of them that have come out and said, "Not me." Uh, Coates, uh, Mattis, um, Kelly. They're all saying it's not them, and I believe them. Okay, so so it is not those individuals, and and it's you know it's one thing to not say anything. It's another thing to actively lie about it. So the, the, those people are off the list. I think that this is somebody who the New York Times, when pushed, this is why they might keep it secret, actually, because when pushed on the issue, they could say, if it did ever come out, well, yeah, this person is like uh, involved in, you know, is at the NSC or is at, uh, I don't know, the Economic Council or something. So, you know, technically a senior White House person, but not anyone with any real power or sway. And if it does turn out that this is a mid-level political appointee, I mean, the New York Times, and that gets out, the New York Times will have just made an utter mockery of itself, a complete mockery of itself. Um, and, you know, the, the White House people are say, reporting on this as being in disarray. And what, what do they expect? I mean, how, how would anyone else feel if they were trying to run the government and they found out that there are people that not only are subverting them, but then taking a kind of victory lap by subverting them publicly without attaching their name to it. I mean, the whole thing, it just stinks. It absolutely stinks. Uh, here is the senior counsel of the president, Kellyanne Conway, talking about play four. Sure, it matters. There are op-eds like that in the New York Times every day. It's just a different byline or I guess a non-byline here. Presidents aren't judged by the noise or even the silence that's occurring at any one moment or any one week uh, by the usual critics and naysayers. They're judged by the metrics. And when I hear people on cable news say words like historic, unprecedented, and stunning, that's exactly the way we describe the economy. It's exactly the way we describe the way he's chopped down all the overburdensome, duplicate, duplicative, and unnecessary regulations. He, this is a historically and un, historic and unprecedented economic boom time. And the Democrats would take that away. The results, as evidenced in the article, are irrefutable, by the way. The president's doing a great job as president. But then they take this little extra step, which I find particularly annoying, of saying the president should not get credit for the good things that are happening while he's the president because it's happening in spite of him. Come on. Come on. That's just, that's just, that's unserious. It is an unserious approach to this. Vice President Pence, some were initially spreading the rumor, and the rumors were flying last night. I had people telling me all kinds of stuff. I had people reaching out to me. Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that person. 
Rumors are flying all over the place. But Vice President Pence was a name that was bandied about for a short while, and, and he made it as clear as he could that he's got no part of this. Play 14. Well, I think it's a disgrace. Uh, the anonymous editorial published in the New York Times represents a new low in American journalism. And I think the New York Times should be ashamed. And I think whoever wrote this anonymous editorial should also be ashamed as well. Anyone who would write an anonymous editorial uh, smearing this president, who's provided extraordinary leadership to this country, uh, should not be working for this administration. They ought to do the honorable thing and they ought to resign. Yeah, they ought to resign and come forward and speak publicly. Nothing that they've said, folks, has not already really been said by somebody else, which also makes me question the veracity of the editorial in the first place. This is like a collection of the rumors that somebody's heard that they probably think the New York Times editorial board wanted them to write. You know, it's, it's like collecting all the juicy gossip tidbits, putting them together and saying, oh, yeah, I heard all that stuff. Here you go. It also shows you that there is collusion going on, collusion among the media. They're supposed to speak truth to power. That's a laugh. That's a lie. They don't do that. Uh, but the timing of this is not a coincidence that the Bob Woodward book is out and excerpts of it are flying around this week. And now you have this. This was all coordinated. It was coordinated for maximum uh, commercial effect for Woodward and the other news outlets involved, like the Times. But it's also maximum impact against the president, just like NBC News holding the Access Hollywood tape until right before the election. Right. That this is what they do. And they expect us to forget about the obvious bias that's at work here, that there are a bunch of leftist hacks doing the work of the DNC, acting like they're doing the work of the First Amendment and the American people. We're all sick of it. I'm sick of it. I know you are, too. So the timing here is, is clearly not a coincidence. And just one more note on the New York Times. You know, I've actually been a New York Times subscriber for a long time. I've been reading the New York Times since back when I was in college. And I still read it, although not as thoroughly as I used to, because I got to read so many other news sources for this show every day. But I, I, I skim the New York Times pretty much every day. I mean, their editorial pages are largely garbage, but sometimes I'll find something in there that I think is interesting. Don't forget, folks, that the same New York Times that's now saying, oh, you can trust us. We wouldn't overstate this source was also part of that whole media week of worship of John McCain largely because it was a mechanism for bashing Trump. But the New York Times published an a unsourced, anonymous, front-page hit piece on John McCain claiming he had an affair back when he was running against Barack Obama. Don't forget that. Don't allow that to just sort of skip. A front-page hit piece on John McCain claiming he had an affair as a news story with no named sources, all right? That's how much the New York Times respected John McCain's military service. That's how much the big journos running around last week acting like they're so patriotic really cared about John McCain, tried to ruin the man's reputation, his family life, his marital life, because they needed Barack Obama to win so badly. Don't forget that. And don't even get me started on the lies for years about the motivation behind the Gabby Gifford shooting, uh, which the, they were just using that as a as a club to beat the NRA and and 
the Second Amendment with and just lies. And eventually, New York Times says, yeah, we were wrong about that, but they lied about it for years. So don't, you know, I don't want to hear from them that we have to trust them and that they're honest and honorable and they're just journalists doing their jobs because, no, they are activists. They are activists. Uh, And then that brings me to what action that they want. Uh, What action would they like to see here? And they've made that quite clear. Um, They want to remove this president from office. I want to talk to you about what I think. the. Let's just say that process for some reason did start. What would that look like? How would that affect our national political conversation? What would go on as a result of this? We'll get into that in much more. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Team, we've got a jam-packed show. A lot coming up on the Kavanaugh hearing. That'll be a bit later. Uh, And then I will also talk to you later on the show about transgender desistation. Um, which is something that I'll have to explain to you, but I think you'll find particularly interesting. Uh, that will be worth our time to be sure. 844-900-2825. If you want to call in, we will be right... Oh, desistance, not desistation. Pardon me. That's, I thought I got that word wrong. Trans, transgender desistance. That's coming up. We'll be right back. It lays out the path for removal of the president in cases of, quote, inability. And that's a term that has never been defined or tested. The idea that the 25th Amendment would ever be used is is really hard to contemplate that we're at that point. Why won't Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell today convene a hearing on the 25th Amendment? I would haul up political appointees from every agency and ask who talked about invoking the 25th Amendment and what did you see? The 25th Amendment, folks. Isn't that so quaint? We're back to that discussion all of a sudden. We've heard it before, and now we are to believe that this is just because these people have the best interests of the nation at heart. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing political about this. It's not bitterness because of Hillary's loss. No, they really think that the cabinet and the vice president are going to just remove Trump from office based upon what exactly? And what is the basis for this? That somebody wrote an anonymous editorial saying that the president has some weird impulses and he doesn't like his decision making. You know, if they were saying that the president thought that pink elephants were flying around the Oval Office and he was talking to what he thought was Jar Jar Binks, but it was really just a potted plant in the in the corner of the room. Then I would say maybe we got to have a conversation about the 25th Amendment. They're just saying that they don't like this guy and they don't like his policy. They think he's erratic. That's not grounds for removing the office because removing the president from office because he's unfit. Uh, this is supposed to be for somebody who's mentally infirm or, or has a you know has a stroke or you know is deeply ill or has has real mental illness. Not you know he watches a lot of TV and he, and likes McDonald's cheeseburgers and doesn't give a you know what what the media says about him. That that's not what the Twenty Fifth Amendment is for but you know you can always turn to the ladies of the view to give you a sense of what uh what those who are not spending a whole lot of time reading think about the situation play 12 
I think um, it certainly is a very subversive act. Yes. I think this person is a patriot. Uh, I think this person is certainly putting our country first. And I think this person, it sounds like someone um, who is very thoughtful, someone who is well versed in our country's politics. The person talks about Senator McCain. Um, it sounds like a military person to me. Um, having discussed this with a lot of military people that I have in my family. Um, but I, I also um, think that this person is probably saving our country. Saving our country. Just remember this when people say, oh, well, he can't come out and can't tell us who he or she is because of all the backlash. Backlash. There would be adulation. Which makes me think that there's really that this has all been a miscalculation. This will end up, mark my words, this will end up uh, helping Trump more than it hurts him in the long run. Because it, it now now I don't want to hear from anybody. Oh, oh I'm sorry. There's not a deep state. There's a steady state. I mean, give me a break. Right. I don't want to hear that nonsense anymore. You know, I, I caught a lot of heat. I've been saying all along that there's a that early on. There's a deep state. You know, I've talked to you about the the Turkish Darren Devlet and the the origins of the deep state in the in the Turkish context. And, uh, we, you know, we've discussed, is it fair? To, is it just a cabal or is there really something a little bit a little bit more? And, uh, you know, now you have a, a really a deep state manifesto that's been put out there of, of what they're trying to do. And it's not the only one. I mean, even without this op ed, I would say, look at what's going on with the FBI and the DOJ. There is clearly a concerted effort by some very powerful senior government figures to undermine and, in fact, destroy the Trump administration and to use the positions of their office to do it. And this is this is people always talk about unprecedented when it's not. And I've been I've been hammering that uh, this past week. But this is unprecedented, at least in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like this. People say, oh, what about the Tea Party or oh, what? Well, I'm not talking about a citizen movement in opposition to the president's policies. This is people who are paid by the federal government who are in the chain of command. This is essentially the civil service equivalent of a mutiny that we are talking about here. I mean, if this were the military, it would be a mutiny. And people are cheering this on. They think this is a good idea. Uh, it's not a good idea. It's disgraceful what's being done here. And it's also really destabilized. We're talking about undermining institutions. The president can't trust senior White House officials to enact his policies and to obey his orders. That's a big problem. There's also word for that. It's insubordination, and you can get fired for it. And you should. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. This is a genuine constitutional crisis. This is a moment where uh, it's a crisis of conscience for people in the United States Senate on the other side of the aisle, where they have been willing to be more protective of their chairmanships, of their party, of their president, than they have of the Constitution and the institutions themselves. Oh, yeah, he's running, everybody. Remember him? John Kerry? A guy who miraculously married very wealthy twice, fund his political career. It's, a, it's amazing how that happens. Uh, but he is going to run again. I, I, I think he's in the... Now, when I say going to run again, he's trying to position himself for a run. 
What I think is fascinating is he calls this a constitutional crisis because that sounds momentous, right? To call it a constitutional crisis is to put a lot of oomph behind this thing, right? It's to make it seem like it's just full of gravity and gravitas and seriousness, darn it. But it's a constitutional crisis in a way that John Kerry does not either want to admit or understand, and that is that the president of the United States is being undermined by his own government because they say so. And they're doing it surreptitiously and quietly. That's not democratic. That's not constitutional. That's subversion. And as much as they claim that they're doing it in the best interest of the American people, the American people have not empowered them to make that decision. They are, assuming that they are senior White House officials we're talking about here, in a role to help the president and help his agenda. He is the one who is given authority under the Constitution because of the votes of the American people. They do not, you know, this doesn't doesn't transfer over to them. You know, this is what maybe they, they need a little refresher course in basic civics. They're not a part of this as well. They're supposed to be helpful. I don't want to know what their discretion they think should lead them to do. I just want them to execute or leave. I'm not saying they have to do it, folks. And this is where people say, oh, but what if Trump was, you know, was ordering us to uh, attack a country and, you know, martial law and. Yeah, then you resign, you come forward, you say that, Trump, that President Trump is, is uh, out of line, needs to be removed from office. Here's why. That's the mechanism. I mean, there are things in place. You see, what you keep having is Democrats abandoning the system. They, they talk about how the system is being undermined, and then the moment that the system doesn't work in their favor, they're willing to abandon it, destroy it, undermine it themselves. It's all about expedience. It's all about what gives them what they want in the moment that they want it. There's no principle for them. There's just the pursuit of power. And that's why I find this whole situation with the op-ed so frustrating, kind of amusing in a way, but also disheartening. Uh, but John Kerry continues on. Play 17. It's really serious. Yeah, it's, it, really it's, serious. Really serious. Uh, it's foreboding in so many different ways because it really means, I mean, you, ha- you have somebody stealing something off the president's desk in order to prevent him from making a decision. You have him ordering generals to do something, and within a moment of them being ordered, they turn to their fellow generals and say, we're not doing that. What it really means is we, we don't have... A, a, a president, and, and we have a president who's there, but he is not uh, capable of doing the job or living up to the responsibilities. We don't have a president, Obama's former secretary of state says. I think that's pretty gross. I think that undermines the commander in chief, don't you? That's reckless. That goes way beyond disagreeing on policy or expressing one's First Amendment rights as a citizen to criticize government actions or decisions. That's something else, folks. That's really meant to destabilize, uh, to delegitimize. That's the primary purpose, to find a way to give some justification to the thought process that I remember from the chants, from the marches, from the screaming, yelling banshee-like howls on the streets of Manhattan at the very beginning of the Trump presidency from the hashtag resistance yelling, 
Not my president! Not my president! I remember that. And now they think they can make that a reality. And John Kerry is giving them some degree of intellectual cover, they think, by also saying, we don't have a president right now. No, we do have a president. It's just one that they don't like. It's one that they disapprove of. You know, I did not think that Barack Obama was good at his job. I did not think he was anywhere near as qualified or as impressive as any of the Democrats that I knew. But I never thought he wasn't actually the president. I just learned to live in the reality of, yeah, he's the president. Let's see how the next election goes. That's the normal adult response to this. I can't help but look at how here we are again, the second Republican president of my adult life. And also we're being told he's not really the president. He's illegitimate. Just like with Bush, he wasn't really the president either. You know, the Supreme Court gave him the election. They made whole movies, lots of fiction thrown in about how Bush didn't really win Florida and it was stolen and the Supreme Court and all this, you know, he wasn't really a legitimate. Oh, and the popular vote, by the way, they, they trot that one out. This is like saying, um, well, you know, we're running a mile race. Well, I beat you. The, I'm faster than you for the first hundred yards. So I'm faster than you. Well, that's not the race we're running. This is this is an idiocy that keeps coming back of all oh, the popular vote, the popular vote. They do not run campaigns based on the popular vote. If they did, Trump would spend a lot more time focused on New York and California. OK, they don't run campaigns that way. That matters. It would change the dynamic. People like me who live in New York who are cons- or lived in New York who are conservatives would come out and vote in much larger numbers if we thought it mattered because it was all about the overall vote total. Instead, I vote because I feel like I have to because I'm a political analyst and I have to do that and blah, blah and all that. But a lot of people I know are conservatives like, what am I going to vote in New York for? It's a joke. My vote means nothing. And realistically, they're correct. Right, so it's completely. Ch- so that's why this whole popular vote thing, it's a it's a it's a canard. It's a red herring. It's B.S. And that's why I, ju- I just get tired of it. You know, engage on the real issues. Notice how folks. We're weeks away from the midterms. We're not talking about health care, although I do. We talk about health care, but I mean the country right now, not discussing health care, really. Not a lot of talk about immigration. They definitely don't want to talk about the economy. Why? This economy is amazing right now. Very little interest, though, in addressing that. I don't want to get anywhere near there, right? So what are we supposed to be deciding on? I mean, how are the political narratives shaping up? You're seeing it. It's just this. This media storytelling and this obsession with Trump as as not just bad, but Trump as evil. And I think that Trump's in good company because they think this about all conservatives. They don't think that we're wrong. They think that we're bad people. And they've allowed themselves to have that mindset fester for far too long. And it's long past time when we should allow that to be, you know, a, a state of affairs that persists. Uh, I think it's time. By the way, I just saw this Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds passed away, huh? Legendary star of Smokey the Bandit. Director and producer, dead at 82. Man, I didn't realize that. You know, John, do you, I never really saw... Yeah, I just saw that now. I didn't see that before. I know, it happened earlier. I'm seeing now when it went up on the site. Oh, Burt Reynolds, huh? Interesting. You know, I never really... I think I never really saw I never saw Smokey and the Bandit. Maybe I'll have to maybe I'll have to check it out this weekend. Although I've got that Jack Ryan 
uh, Amazon. I need to catch up on that and give because a lot of folks were asking me what I think of it. So I'm going to have to check that one out. I'm hearing good things. Uh, we are going to talk a bit about um, the way that the media cares about international opinion about this op-ed coming up in a second. And then the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, Cory Booker doesn't realize that the papers he's going to share have been cleared for being shared, but he thinks he's being tough about it. We'll get to that. Stay with me. The fallout from the so-called resistance op-ed about President Trump in the New York Times has gone international, and the overwhelming reaction from uh, U.S. allies in Europe seems to be less than a surprise. Uh, in fact, a German weekly has now replaced its coverage of the op-ed with an eyebrow-raising poll on the things Germans right now fear most, coming in at number one with 69%. Look at this. President Trump. He beats out fear of refugees overrunning Germany at 63% and terrorism, which got 59%. Achtung, yeah, we're most scared of the President Trump. Herr Trump, you're so frightening. Oh no, what will we do? Somebody please save me from the Trumping. Oh, Trumpy Trump. The Germans. I think it's hilarious that the media thinks that we're all supposed to care what European papers say about our political squabbles. Here's a little here's a little newsflash for them. We don't care. Or at least normal people do not care. The media loves this, though. They always feel like the because the, the extension of the elites in Europe is, you know, they, they think of elites in Europe as an extension of themselves and their own opinions so they love to do this thing if you don't well you know we've seen the europeans and they think think of how stupid that is they're more concerned about trump how in what way are they more concerned about trump than about the refugee problem that they've got which is big or about terrorism i mean what normal human being in germany is worried about donald trump i mean this this is it's a fashion it's a fad Anti-Trumpism is something that simple-minded people think about themselves so they can pretend to be sophisticated and informed. It's like climate change, folks. It's much more about fashion than it is about belief or knowledge. Um, so, you know, th that's that's why I, but I just love this. Uh, the Germans are terrified of Trump. It's like, oh, no, what will we do? Trump is going to come and invade us and steal all of our hamburgers and frankfurters and Wiener schnitzels. Uh, it's man, it makes me want to call them freedom fries again. And uh, I know that's French, but I was also thinking about we come up with a new name for hamburgers. Call them freedom burgers. You know, there you go. Freedom burgers. I guess the burger, I think, actually is German, too. It's just a stupid poll. The whole thing. It, it, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but why are they even telling us about this on CNN? I think it's a fun win a window into their mindset and, and how they think, oh, there's a globe. There's global fallout from this op ed in The New York Times about Trump. Not really. Everything's fine. Everybody woke up today all over the world and their life was basically the same as it was the day before, regardless of that op ed. You know, this is I I'm here to tell you it's all it's all going to be OK. I'm here. I'm here to let you know. It's going to be fine, folks. I'm not saying we don't have problems and there aren't bad things. And there aren't bad guys. And but I'm but in terms of the of the uh, the consequences to any of us, you, me of this op ed. Yeah, people really 
really need to chill out quite a bit. It's gotten to the point now where they need to seek help. You know, Trump derangement syndrome is is not it's not just a clever thing we've come up with to troll and own the libs. Like, yes, I talk about Trump derangement syndrome to own the libs, but I also really do think that there are people who have become somewhat deranged by their anti-Trump hatred. And and it's a it's a problem. It's something to something to worry about. I want to transition. You know, next hour we're gonna talk quite a bit more about the uh, the Kavanaugh hearings today, the whole Kavanaugh situation. And, you know, we'll get it. They had the usual, you know, they're coming at him with this. And it's just, it's exactly what I thought. A lot of hyperbole, a lot of really second and third tier legal minds, which is unfortunately what a lot of Democrat senators are. Um, so, you know, a lot of them trying to come at Kavanaugh in a particularly pathetic fashion. But there was some other stuff that happened that I think was, first of all, we're going to get to Cory Booker's I am Spartacus moment, which you're, you got to hear that. It's amazing. Referred to himself as Spartacus. I mean, Cory Booker is trying so hard. Oh, my gosh. It is, it is kind of painful to watch. Uh, he's really making a mockery of himself. Doing a great uh, favor, I think, for Kamala Harris who's also trying way too hard on these issues. I mean, really going above and beyond what a normal person would expect a senator to do in the circumstances, uh, because, you know, she she's also trying to really make an impression and start getting the whole 2020 thing going. This is all about the election, folks, It's all about uh, who's going to step up and, and be the leader of the Democratic Party. So those are the stakes. But Kamala Harris pushed Kavanaugh on. So Mark Kazowitz is the lawyer for President Trump right now. He's President Trump's personal lawyer on the whole Russia probe thing. And she kept pushing him on this point. And when you hear the exchange, people, you know, people, normal people hear this say, well, what is she badgering him about? I mean, he's obviously doesn't really know what she's talking about. But play, play the clip, John. Have you discussed Mueller or his investigation with anyone at Kasowitz, Benson and Torres, the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, President Trump's personal lawyer? Uh, Be sure about your answer, sir. Um, well, I'm not remembering, but if you have something you want to. Are you certain you've not had a conversation with I... anyone at that law firm? That's not what he said. Kasowitz, Benson, and yeah. Torres, which is the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, yeah. who is President Trump's personal lawyer. Are you, have you had any conversation about Robert Mueller or his investigation with anyone at that firm? Yes or no? Well, is there a person you're talking about? I'm asking you a very direct question. Yes or no? I need to know the uh, I'm not sure I know everyone who works at that law firm. I don't think you need to. I think you need to know who you talked with. Who'd you talk to? I don't think I, I I'm not remembering, but I'm, I'm happy to be refreshed. I mean, he doesn't know everybody that works at that law firm. What the heck is she talking about? This is a big law firm. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't know everybody. How, how so? See, but see, this is why. And we'll return to this because this Blumenthal kind of does the same thing. There's no good faith in these in these uh, in these uh, hearings, folks. They want to try to get him on some little point of minutia and then try to crush him for being a liar. And he's just like, look, I don't remember. I don't know. I can't give you an answer because I don't really know. And and she's just trying to make such a big deal of it. You know what the really fun part of this, folks? 
the law firm today just decided to step in and they're like, nobody from our firm ever talked to Kavanaugh about any of this stuff. Nobody. Okay. So what the heck is Kamala Harris talking about? You know, who knows? But that was just so funny. Some people that are, yeah, she's taking it to him. Yeah. It's like, why does, why do they get so much joy out of, well, it's because they don't like his politics, right? We all know the answer. But it's so, it's just so gross. This guy Kavanaugh's a good guy, you know? I mean, and look, the history of Republicans appointing judges is that even when they think they're getting a conservative constitutionalist on the bench, about half of ours go bad once they get past the process. So who knows? But anyway, the Democrats are making asses of themselves. We'll get into that coming up. Global Verification Network, the only dual certified veteran owned background investigation and vetting company. Folks, when you're hiring or you have a property that you're trying to lease out to somebody, you're looking at tenants, you're looking at possible employees. You need somebody that you can trust who's efficient, discreet, and gets the job done. That's Global Verification Network. I know the CEO, Mark Buckman, personally. He's a totally squared away guy, a Navy vet, and he really cares about the work that he and his team are doing every day. They're headquartered in Chicago, and their risk mitigation experts will work with startups all the way up to Fortune 100 companies. No data or client information is ever offshore. You know, that's different. A lot of the other guys send stuff overseas. You're paying somebody so they can pay somebody else in a foreign country to do this work for you. You don't want that. Go with Global Verification. Call 877-695-1179 or go to mygvn.com and tell them Buck Sexton sent you. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I knowingly violated the rules that were put forth, and I'm told that the committee confidential rules have knowing consequences. And so, sir, I come from a long line, as all of us do as Americans, and understand what that, that kind of civil disobedience is, and I understand the consequences. So I am right now, before your, before your um, process is finished, I'm going to release the email about racial profiling, and I understand that, that the penalty comes with potential ousting from the Senate. And if Senator Cornyn believes that I violated Senate rules, I, I, I openly invite and accept the consequences of my team releasing that email right now. I'm releasing it to expose that, number one, the emails are being withheld from the public, have nothing to do with national security. What I'm releasing this document right now to, to show, sir, is that we have a process here for a person, the highest office in the land, for a lifetime appointment. We're rushing through this before me and my colleagues can even read and digest the information. Cory Booker, everybody. Looking for his big moment today. Cory Booker, who clearly has some 2020 action in his sights, although I just don't think he's got it. There's something a little JV about Cory Booker. I'm I'm just calling it like I see it. Just just doesn't have it. You know, I think there are other people that are going to be. I think that you get I think Biden, Hillary, heck, I think Bernie goes ahead of Cory in the line for the Democrats. I really do. 
He's just and it's there's something a little desperate about his whole. You know, I'm just it's America, and you know, this is the highest office in the land, and I'm just so upset about all this. What's going on? It's just kind of hysterical. His whole thing in the uh, hearings today was all was a lot of. You know, just just calm down, Corey. It's it's all going to be okay. You know, uh, but he but he the the big thing here is that he he got some documents, and he said, you know, I'm going to release them even though I'm not supposed to. So he says, I'm going to violate Senate rules. I'm going to forget Senate rules. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to violate them because that's how important this is. And it, that just brings you back to see Democrats don't really believe in rules. They don't really believe in this stuff. They 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 talk about rules and rule of law and all, but but at the end of the day. They just want to do what they want to do. And, you know, they use the rules when it benefits them. They ignore the rules when it do- when it benefits them to ignore them. And so, you know, he says this and he's got his big moment of, you know, I-, I understand the penalty comes with the potential ousting from the Senate. And he gets into it a little bit with uh, Senator Cornyn on this one. Senator Cornyn's like, let's go. Let's 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 throw down. Play clip eight. There, there is no Senate rule that that I violated because there's no Senate rule that accounts for this process. May I read the uh, Senate Rule 29.5, the standing rules of the Senate, for the benefit of all senators. Any senator, officer, or employee of the Senate who shall disclose the secret or confidential business or proceedings of the Senate, including the business and proceedings of the committees, subcommittees, and offices of the Senate, shall be liable, if a senator, to suffer expulsion from the body, and if an officer or employee to dismissal from the service of the Senate, and to punishment or contempt. So I would uh, I would uh, correct the senator's statement. There is no rule. There is clearly a rule uh, that applies. And apply the rule and bring the charges. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> Cory Booker, man. He's, he's tough. We need Alex Jones to show up and be like, Cory Booker, he's tough. He's a tough guy. Oh, yeah, Mr. Tough Guy. Uh, that was pretty, that was pretty. Bring it. Okay, Cory Booker. He goes even further, folks. I mean, Booker was really, man, the theatrics today. He was he was really trying to get some love from that camera. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. That's what the senator from New Jersey was doing today. And and you can't make this stuff up, uh, stuff up folks. Here, here's where he went next. Play nine. This is about the closest I'll probably ever have in my life to an I am Spartacus moment. Uh, <laughs> my colleagues, numerous of them, said that they, too, accept the responsibility there were very serious charges that were made against me by my colleague from Texas. I, I don't know if they were a political bluster or sincere feelings. If what he said was sincere, there actually are Senate rules governing the behavior of senators. If he feels that I and now my fellow colleagues who are with me have violated those rules, if he's not a tempest in a teapot, but sincerely believes that, then bring the charges go through the Senate process to take on somebody that you said is unbecoming to be a senator. Let's go through that process. <laughs> Cory Booker is not Spartacus, everybody. I am Spartacus moment. Nope. It is not an. It is not a Spartacus moment. It is a, you really want Rachel Maddow to play a good long clip of you on MSNBC tonight moment, which I'm sure she, I'm sure she's probably doing it well, not right now because she's not on. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this. Uh, but she probably did it at some point tonight. I, look, he's Booker wants to get to the front of the hashtag resistance line. I get it, folks. You get it, too. Uh, I like how Chuck Grassley, who's 
Unfortunately, my Chuck Grassley impersonation sounds a little bit like my Senator Leahy impersonation, which is... Uh, but Grassley pointed out that, you know, Booker just keeps... You know, yesterday he was saying this thing about, you know, I wouldn't accept an intern with 90% of the application. And as I said, you know, Senator Booker, if an intern sent you 400,000 pages of an application, uh, you'd call the Capitol Police. And it's just a dumb thing for him to keep repeating over and over again. Grassley also caught on to the fact that Booker just seems to, he, he just he just thinks he's on a loop here. Just got to keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Play 10. No Senate rule accounts for Bill Burke's partisan review of the documents. There, there is no Senate rule that, that I violated because there's no Senate rule that accounts for this process. No, no Senate rule. And I'm told that the committee confidential rules have knowing con- con- consequences. And I understand the consequences and accept the consequences. I'm going to release the email about racial profiling of my team releasing that email right now. What I'm releasing this document right now to, to show, and I'm releasing it. Can I ask you? And so, I ask you? Can I ask you how long you're going to say the same thing three or four times? No, sir. I, I, I'm <laughs> saying, I'm how saying, long do you want? I'm take? saying I'm knowingly violating the rules. Okay. Oh, how many times you for it? How many times you learn? Tell us, sir. I've say, I'm saying right now that I'm releasing. I'm releasing committee confidential documents. How many times? How many times? Uh, Grassley. That's a little more like Grassley. Um, how many times? Uh, he's right. Booker won't stop saying the same darn thing over and over again. And it's just tedious, man. Like, get a grip. Get a grip. Ugh. This whole thing, I I would have loved it if they just said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna bag it. We're gonna bag it. We're gonna just get out of this. And uh we're gonna find a we're just gonna have a vote. And that's it. We're done. It's been real, everybody. It's 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 been fun and all, but we don't need to have another another full week here of of total and, and absolute grandstanding. Um, what we need are just more more leftists showing up on TV to remind us why we shouldn't vote for them. Play eighteen. A new technology was an invasion of your property, and 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 therefore uh, was something that. Uh, violated the Fourth Amendment. So, and whose streets are streets occupy Senate hearing? These people are the worst, the worst. But you know they vote Democrat, so the media goes easy on them. You'll notice that the really bad behavior uh, comes from the left in all these things. Because they don't like making arguments. They like people to just tell them they're right. Oh, well, it is what it is, my friends. Um, we have a, a whole lot more coming up, a bit more on the some of the back and forth today. What does a perjury trap sound like, folks? I want to get to that. And uh, also, is McCabe going to prison for perjury? Remember the acting FBI director? That's coming up. If you've ever found yourself wincing at the weak taste of coffee from one of those left-leaning corporate commie brands, you probably thought, I wish they spent less time on meaningless bias training, bathroom policy reform, and other things that defy common sense, and more time on their coffee. That's why, my friends, you need yourself some Black Rifle coffee. I drink Black Rifle every day. I'm, in fact, in their coffee club. I get it delivered to me at the beginning of every month. I get my K-Cups Silencer Smooth, Freedom Blend, you name it, I got it. 
And everyone in my office who tries it loves it. They are all switching to Black Rifle Coffee. They're ditching that commie stuff and buying coffee from a bunch of patriots, veterans, and people who love this country and love some delicious Joe. So check it out for yourself. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck and receive 15% off your order. Again, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Also check out the gear they've got on the site, 15% off. Have you ever talked to anybody in the White House about the special counsel investigation? I've had no discussions with people in the White House about the... No one. I have had no issues where I've discussed my views on any matters, issues, cases, no hints, previews, forecasts. But have you ever talked about the special counsel investigation with Don McGahn, who is behind you or anyone else in the White House? That's a simple yes or no. I, I'm, not, about. I'm not remembering any discussions like that. Of course, in preparing for this hearing, I've prefer, prepared for questions like the one you're asking. Well, what discussions have you had about the special counsel with people in the White House? I have not, I have not had discussions. It's pretty simple English. Have you talked about the special counsel with anyone in the White House? That was Anybody who works for the President of the United States. Right. You just rephrased the question, though. That was about Mr. Mueller this time, and it previously is about the investigation. You haven't talked to anyone in the White House about Robert Mueller or the special counsel investigation. So you changed the question again, sir. You know, it's like Kavanaugh is a legal super nerd made from the parts of lesser legal nerds. And all these wannabes in the Senate are just trying to trying to jump on him. And he's swatting them away time and time again. I mean, but folks, that was an instructive little little clip there, because when people say things like just tell the truth, just tell the truth. What is the truth when you're being asked a question six different ways and the question keeps changing? But the person asking it thinks they're asking the same question. You know, Blumenthal, by the way, it reminds me of, you know, he could play like the creepy, weird, you know, funeral home guy that like no one knows what he's doing when the doors are closed and everybody leaves at night. I mean, he, he's a weirdo. I mean, he just there's something very whoever's voting for that guy. He just everything about him is 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 creepy. I don't know what else to say. But he says that uh, five, you know, he asked him five different times about talking to the special counsel. Think about this, though. And you also had this with uh, uh, Kamala Harris. Where, you know, she's saying, did you ever speak to somebody who, well, you know, he doesn't know everybody who works at that law firm. So how can he answer that question? And don't think for a second, you already know this. Remember what they did to Jeff Sessions, right? Jeff Sessions was asked about Russia contacts. He's like, no, I didn't have any like campaign Russia contacts. And like, oh, well, well, you met the ambassador at a public event with, you know, 500 people there and shook his hand. Liar. And he's like, he's like, well, what do you mean? No, no, anyway, he's like, what do you, what do you mean? You know, that's not what you were really. That's not what you were asking about. And you know, he he can't really be expected to remember that, can he? And they said, oh, he's a liar. They were saying Jeff Sessions. So so you can't expect these people to have any good faith or goodwill in the, with with, the, with these questions. They're specifically trying to get him on something where they can say that he lied, and that then becomes the. It doesn't matter how small it is, folks. Oh. 
You mean like this is how the special counsel would do things to say Papadopoulos and Michael Flynn and others. Just keep asking questions. Get somebody to get something that is technically not true, even if they're not trying to tell you something that is not true, and then hammer them for being a liar. Hammer them for perjury. This is a perjury trap. It's a real thing. It goes to the bad faith of the cross-examining party, the prosecutor, in this case, the senator. And Blumenthal is the ultimate in bad faith. Oh, I mentioned the Kazowitz Law Firm thing. Blumenthal went down that road with, uh, with Kavanaugh today. Play 20. Okay. Have you had conversations about the special counsel investigation with anyone at the Kasowitz, Benson, and Torres firm? No, I don't remember anything like that. Are you acquainted with anyone at that firm? Uh, I know uh, Ed McNally used to work at the White House Counsel's Office, and I now I understand that he works at that law firm. Have you ever talked to him about the special counsel investigation? No. Are you acquainted with Mark Kasowitz? I'm not. Are you acquainted with uh, anyone else at the Kasowitz law firm? I don't believe so, but as I discussed with Senator Harris last night, I didn't know, for example, Senator Lieberman worked at that firm, and he spoke to the judges a couple years ago uh, before this, but that's the kind of thing I was worried about when I was talking with Senator Harris last night is that I don't have the full roster, but I'm pretty confident the answer is no. Okay. I mean, this whole thing is really a joke in a way, right? There's nothing that they're not trying to get at any underlying truth here. This isn't about understanding his judicial philosophy. This is about senators who are doing one of two things, grandstanding for their own purposes, Democrats, that is, grandstanding for their own purposes or uh, trying to jam up Kavanaugh, who is as good a legal mind as exists from everything that we know about him, as good a legal mind as there is out there. But you know what really summarizes this? For let's let's take a, let's step away from senators for a second, and hear from our friend Nancy Pelosi, uh, who who really summarizes what the left wing Democrat point of view is on this guy, without the documents that they say they don't have, without you know Pelosi is at least telling you what they really think. Play thirteen. This week, the nation has witnessed the confirmation hearings for one most radical anti-healthcare, anti-choice Supreme Court nominees in recent history. A nominee who thinks that President Trump is above the law. If Judge Kavanaugh is confirmed, Roe v. Wade, affordable health care, voting rights, common sense, gun violence prevention, the freedoms of LGBTQ Americans, communities of colors and immigrants are all on the chopping block, just to name a few. And if he doesn't believe in stare decisis of established law, everything is on the table. Again, voting rights, civil rights, Brown versus the Board of Education. Voting rights and civil rights on the chopping block. If this Yale-educated D.C. Circuit Court, you almost unanimously approved by the Senate judge, gets on the Supreme Court. You know, I have no sympathy for liberals on this at all. They have been, they were way too reliant on the Supreme Court for way too long as their super legislature. So I have no sympathy for them at all. But but Pelosi here, I would say she's I would say she's an imbecile and I wouldn't be wrong, but it's it's really actually just shameless. You know, she is doing what she can to stir up her base and she'll say anything. And, you know, I got to say something, folks, we have 
the left, and, and this has been a recurring theme this week, the left talks about how we need to have, you know, better decorum and, you know, Trump is, you know, he's so rough around the edges and they don't like this and that about him. But but the truth is this. Uh, we shouldn't allow ourselves to normalize what the Democrats are doing this week, either the senators or somebody like Nancy Pelosi, which is to malign a good man. You know, Nancy Pelosi is part of a machine here that is saying horrible and untrue things about an American who's a good guy, a brilliant man, a family man, and who has been honorable based on everything we know his entire life. All right. His biggest sin was spending a little too much money on baseball tickets for like himself and his family. And it's not a sin, even though I think baseball sometimes goes on a little too long. So we shouldn't just say, oh, well, you know, it's politics. No, it's not politics. What Nancy Pelosi is doing is dishonorable. That that statement she made there on Kavanaugh is disgraceful. All right. She's not just it's one thing to say, I don't like him on row. I don't like him on these things to say that voting rights are on the chopping block. Civil rights are on the line to call him radical and anti health care. Does she I mean, did, does she realize how stupid that sounds? Now, the answer is, yes, yeah, she does. She doesn't care, though, because she's trying to uh, she's really preaching to a choir of left wing idiots. And they don't care how stupid it sounds. They like the way it sounds. And so Pelosi, in that respect, is, is giving them exactly what they want. And it's it's pathetic. It's kind of sad. And we shouldn't let it go. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. We cannot blindly follow this president and his incompetency, which is a theme throughout this book, and his recklessness and his disconcern for the national interest uh, in favor of his own interest. It is time for the Republicans to say the Trump presidency is a national emergency. And it is up to us, both parties, to treat the Trump presidency as a national emergency. It would seem to me that General Kelly, uh, in the interest of the country, needs to resign. And with a statement that says the presidency can no longer be entrusted to this man. Windbag Woodward on the march, folks. Got his book coming out. We're gonna. I'm trying to get him on. Trying to get him on rising. Look, I'll try to get him on radio too. I mean, I'll 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 do what I can to get him to to tune in and uh, and check us out. But uh, this this notion of Trump as a national emergency, I I really I want to pull this apart a little bit because we have had such a week here with the non op ed and and now you've got more people. They're talking about the 25th Amendment. You'll notice I'm I'm correct on this one, folks. It, it, it all happens right after uh, it becomes clear that they're not going to get the perjury trap option with the Mueller probe against Trump. Now, all of a sudden, we're back to 25th Amendment, you know, that, that he can be removed, uh, he can be removed via the 25th Amendment. And that's what I think, uh, you know, the, the timing of this is is all very suspect to me. Um, it's all very clear in in my view that what's going on here is. Uh, 
you know, you have a situation where they're just moving to the next thing. Um, they're, they're moving to the next version of how it is that they don't have to have how it is that Trump is no longer president anymore. Here, here is the 25th Amendment, by the way, in case of the removal of the president from office or of his death or resignation, the president of uh, the vice president rather shall become president. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall uh, nominate a vice president who shall take office upon a confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. Um, and then uh, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers or the uh, of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may provide by law, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So that's the that's what they're going for now. Oh, 25th Amendment all the time. They think that John Kelly is really going to resign and make a statement that the president shouldn't be the president anymore. I, I, I can't help but feel like what are we what is what do they want us to make of the following? Let's turn to the facts for a moment here. We were told by the same media and I don't mean the same media in general terms. I mean, the same people in the media, the same outlets, the same individuals, the same editorial boards. We were told that Barack Obama was an almost godlike super genius who was going to slow the rise of the seas and heal the planet and make everything wonderful and perfect. You know, there'd be unicorns and bunnies and, you know, streams of candy corn or, you know, whatever, right? It was just going to be amazing. It was going to be fantasy land for us. I'm only slightly exaggerating. You know that it was said that he was going to heal the planet. He said he was going to heal the planet. He was going to slow the rise of the seas. What we had with Obama was, no matter who you are, I think, uh, very disappointing. I mean, the economy was growing at a snail-like pace. Uh, We had race riots. So the whole racial healing component of the Obama administration was certainly not as as originally advertised. Uh, the, you know, they uh, Obamacare is the, the only law that people have ever tried actively. The people writing the law to make sure doesn't in any way apply to them or anybody that they can make sure is not can be avoid being subject to it. Didn't get anything done on immigration with Congress, didn't get anything done on the uh environment despite all the big bluster and talk about it and just it wasn't a particularly good time for the country a lot of terrorism the rise of isis major terrorist attacks on u.s soil going on major terrorist attacks against our allies and it just it just didn't work out folks so that's the reality of the obama administration now i need someone to explain to me if Trump is this bumbling buffoon, if he's like a an evil Mr. Magoo, which is kind of, you know, with with bad taste and gaudy gold fixtures, they got to explain to me, what do we make of the fact that Trump is doing a great job? What do we make of the fact that Trump is presiding over an economy that's the best economy we've seen in decades? In some ways, people would say, given, you know, the, the position of America right now, you know, it's probably the best economy. It might be the best economy that the country's ever had. You, you can make that argument. And we're not invading countries that we shouldn't. We're not in the midst of a, of a nasty war where we're losing 
soldiers every day. We are losing some still in Iraq and Afghanistan, but the numbers are considerably smaller, uh, still too many, but smaller than what we would have seen under the Bush or Obama administrations. So we're not starting some big war. The country is doing great. You know, we got some issues. We're trying to handle them. Uh, Maybe there'll still be some infrastructure bill for those of you who want that. Maybe there'll still be a wall, although I'm starting to get pretty doubtful. But overall, things are good. So Bernstein running around saying he's a national emergency. What do they expect, really, you and me, to take away from that? It's an emergency that I'm seeing a lot of people that are finally feeling, especially for my generation, like we're getting our economic legs under us. You know, we got a a little bit of optimism about our future. Maybe we'll buy a house, maybe start a family, because there's a big problem with millennials with that. We're supposed to be angry at Trump because of this. Businesses across the board are saying it's a better business environment than they've seen in years and years, maybe ever. Is that is the national emergency that Trump is so successful despite all the things that they told us would happen if he became president? Because if that's the national emergency, you know what? I'm okay with it. I I think we're all going to be just fine. So remember what happened to the conservatives when they were shadow banned. First, Twitter said they did not do it. Mm. Now, Jack admitted that it did happen with their algorithm. And it happened not based upon what those individuals were doing on Twitter, but who followed them. And they never even explained it. Is it too strong to call it censorship? I, I don't think so, because look at Just take a perspective here. If you Googled the California Republican Party two weeks before the primary election, Mm-hmm. It said our ideology was Nazism. We've had senior engineers in Facebook who are conservative actually bring a group together because they feel it's mob mentality where they're being intimidated because of their own personal views. I want this just... is a real problem. It is a real problem, folks. We got some big... Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to foreshadow here a little bit. You're going to have to stay with me because I, w- I want to I want to change the topics real quick here but we're going to have some big news for you coming up at the top of the next hour on the social media shadow banning side of things one that's going to get a lot of attention bring this issue to the forefront uh, so that's just consider that a little preview that we're putting in here before we get to it but the next hour we will talk about what's happening here with with social media sites banning people and who's the what's the next shoe to drop But I want to just take a moment here to uh, remind everyone that while we constantly, and and next hour I'll talk to you also about Papadopoulos and how he's going to give his first TV interview. But while we're always reminded that there are these people associated with Trump who have been uh, prosecuted and, and, and they've either been found guilty in the case of somebody like a Manafort or they have pleaded guilty ahead of time and trying to get a reduced sentence that there's somebody else who's on the hot seat here and he's a big fish folks mccabe former fbi deputy director the number two at the fbi who was neck deep in the russia collusion investigation and all the stuff going on there who's obvious guys he's obviously a democrat okay his wife's a big democrat he's obviously a democrat the 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 high level bureaucrats tend to be leftists. The ra- the rank and file in law enforcement, and to some, it's a little more mixed in intelligence. But the rank and file in law enforcement tend to be, if not 
GOP conservatives, at least a little traditionalist in their point of view, you know, because they have to deal with the real world and law and order and good guys and bad guys. Uh, but the, you know, the, the guys that thrive in bureaucracies tend to be bureaucratic creatures, and those people tend to be leftists, uh, progressives. So Andy McCabe, here's what's going on, and, and it's not getting a fraction of the coverage it would if we were changing around some of the political dynamics here. Here's the latest uh, from the Washington Post. Federal prosecutors have for months been using a grand jury to investigate former FBI director Andrew McCabe, an indication to probe into whether he misled officials exploring his role in a controversial media disclosure has intensified Two people familiar with the matter said the grand jury has summoned more than one witness, the people said, and the case is ongoing. Uh, the presence of the grand jury shows prosecutors are treating the matter seriously, locking in the accounts of witnesses who might later have to testify at a trial. But such panels are sometimes used only as investigative tools, and it remains unclear if Mr. McCabe will ultimately be charged. A spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C., which has been handling the probe, declined to comment, as did a spokeswoman for McCabe. Okay, guys. The former deputy director of the FBI might be going to prison. That's what you really need to take away. That's what you need to have in mind here. All right. You're not getting nearly enough of a focus on the fact that think about that, folks. When was the last time he was the acting director for a while? When was the last time the number two at the Federal Bureau of Investigation was in serious, credible threat of going to prison? By the way, I think he I think he is going to end up uh, taking a a plea bargain. I think I think they're going to charge him because they have to charge him. And see, this is you know, there's that there's that phrase. I don't know where it comes from. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Producer Mike, where does that come from? I've always said that. You know, I've, I've, it's a phrase I've known for a long time. Is it biblical? I mean, it sounds biblical, but I don't want to be that media ignoramus that claims something's in the Bible when it's actually, you know, Shakespeare or something. Although it doesn't sound Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Um, is producer Mike even is he is he out with the with the, you know, the ladies from the uh, the front office of the finance thing downstairs? Yeah, he's OK. He's not he's not on a coffee break with a bunch of ladies. We'll see. We'll see about that. We got eyes on you, producer Mike. Don't 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 try anything. Don't try anything too smooth. So, uh, look, the the reality here is you got this guy who has for a long time put people away for lying under oath. FBI agents. I Look, I, I get this. Right. And I don't mean to. You got to be fair to law enforcement uses the tools that they have to get people. I don't like the notion of law enforcement approaching investigations or prosecutions like they have to get scalps i don't like that that's not the way it should be but they're also going to use the tools they have to go after people when they think they're supposed to go after people and that's why 1001 the uh united states criminal code about lying to uh federal federal officers is so it's look it's very useful for them but it's got to be a two-way street folks meaning or not even a two-way street it's got to be everybody on the same on the same uh playing field keep in mind the fbi can lie to you so you sit down and talk to the FBI. They can lie to you as much as they want. They can say that your wife has sold you out, already already, you know, told them everything, they've got you, and this is your last chance to save yourself, whatever. And meanwhile, they haven't even talked to your wife. They can't even find her. They can lie to you all they want. You cannot lie to them. Well, that seems a bit 
Uh, that, that's quite a power imbalance, isn't it? That's why I always tell you don't ever, 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 ever talk to the FBI. You know, this is Buck's, one of my rules for life. Wear comfortable shoes and never talk to the FBI. If nothing else, if you take those two things from the Buck Sexton show, it will all of the time you've spent with me, folks, will be well, well worth it. Uh, but McCabe lied more than once. It's already it's already been adjudicated in the sense that his you know the internal investigators at the FBI have said, yeah, that's right. He lied. So we already know that he lied under oath. How do they get how does he get out of this now? Or they, they said he was like, no, no, up, up, up. I got to be very careful. I think they said he was less than truthful. And what you're going to see, what you're going to see them try to do, um, the, what they're going to try to do is essentially a version of what they did for Hillary, where they're going to use weasel words and they're going to, you know, they're going to try to uh, create a circumstance where he didn't lie, but he was less than truthful. You know, they're just going to create some little gray area to give him a get out of jail free card. Um, but look, Attorney General Jeff Sessions fired McCabe, all right, 24 hours before he was set to retire. And so it cost him a lot of his, and, and going at, look, going after someone's pension folks for public servants, that's, that is a big deal for them. And that's considered as, as very, the only punishment more severe than that for somebody at that stage of their career is prison. I mean, that's it. Well, if they go after your pension, they're really making a statement about it. But I just want to know, I mean, the, the, basically the head of the FBI, for all intents and purposes, because he was acting director for a while, the former head of the FBI is go, probably going to prison, folks, over this Trump situation. And everyone likes to, on the left, likes to act like this was all done the up and up. It's not a witch hunt. Well, why do we have people, top level people at the FBI who are probably going to go to prison? And you say, well, Buck, why would McCabe lie four times, three of them under oath? about his contacts with the media on this thing unless unless he was trying to cover something up or was dirty and here's where we're gonna here's where we're gonna have a real problem the fbi cannot cannot continue to testify in in criminal proceedings against normal everyday americans and have their word be taken seriously and testify on issues like lying under oath and send you and me to prison for that when FBI officers aren't held aren't held to account for it. It it cannot happen. So I think McCabe is in big trouble, folks. That would be the big that would be the first member of the hashtag resistance and the deep state to go to prison. I think that's gonna happen. So that's that news report today was significant. Let's talk about the bombshell news about uh, social media it it's just just breaking here i'm just seeing it bombshell news about a social media platform that we have to share with you uh it's gonna spur a lot of conversation tomorrow and i'm, I'm telling you folks we are we are in the early stages of a media war for platforms and the ability to get the truth out that's coming up in just a moment I talk about Simply Safe Home Security a lot on the show. It's a great security system, fantastic protection, very easy to use. Well, I've got exciting news for you folks. Simply Safe, which is a system I have at home, is valued at over a billion dollars now. And that's because Simply Safe protects over 2 million people, it gives them comprehensive protection for their home with round the clock professional monitoring and police dispatch. Simply Safe protects you against intruders, fires, leaks, and burst pipes. 
and it keeps working even during power outages, down Wi-Fi, you name it. Even if a burglar smashes your keypad, the system is easy to use, very intuitive, takes just minutes to set up, 24-7 monitoring, only $14.99 a month, folks. It's a great deal. It's a great system. I can't recommend it more highly than I do. Order your Simply Safe system now. My listeners get free shipping and free returns. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simply safe, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash buck. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make, Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. This just broke today, just a little bit, just a, a little bit before I um, I went on the air. I see here uh, that Twitter has permanently banned Alex Jones's and Infowars accounts. He said the accounts violated the company's abusive behavior policies. The ban comes weeks after Jones was banned or suspended by other major tech companies like Apple, Facebook, and YouTube. Wow. Jones has now been deplatformed from all three, the big three social media, uh, social media companies, Apple, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Well, I guess four then depends on how we want to talk about it. But yeah, the tech giants, the biggest tech companies in, in the uh, Internet world are uh, are tossing Jones out entirely. And this Folks, you know, this is the problem I have with it, okay? Because I, I know, look, I'm not somebody I'm not somebody who has any fondness at all for Alex Jones, as you're all well aware. He's like, Buck Sexton, I've, I've seen that that smug look, that satisfied look. He's like, he's one of those coward-like guys that comes to a barbecue when I was back in Dallas, and, you know, it's a blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, dude, you know, honestly, uh, I've, I've, got, I've got about five inches and uh, a lot, a lot more... A lot more training than Marco Rubio, so I'd, I'd check yourself before you wreck yourself, Mr. Jones. Uh, but this is a problem, folks. It's not a problem for me that Alex Jones is banned. It's that there's a precedent being set here that people will be banned from these platforms based upon political ideology. If you think, and I don't, I don't think any of you do, but anybody who believes that the left will be content to stop at Alex Jones is fooling themselves. There is absolutely no way that it will just be Alex Jones here. It's just not, it's just not, I mean, I, I'd say it's not possible, but they're going to use this now and, and continue to push. And what's going to happen is that these, these online activist types, including sleeping giants and others who m- make their, their reason for existence is to try to, to put online pressure campaigns against conservatives. I mean, Sleeping Giants, which is this progressive, you know, hit organization, uh, b- mostly on Twitter, but does it using other social media platforms too, I believe. Uh, they, they go after people and they try to bring maximum pressure against sponsors very quickly, and people get scared, right? All you need is the executive suite at some company to say, you know what, we don't want this problem. Let's just cave. Let's just give in. 
and and that they've been able to do this with with Twitter. Remember, Twitter was the holdout, folks. Twitter was the one company that was saying, you know, I I really think that we should at least you know hold off on banning people. I mean, Dorsey was somebody that seemed like he really believed in free speech and the free exchange of ideas. You know, as far as I understand it, as far as I understand it, Alex Jones has. Now I could be wrong, so don't 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 bet on this one. But to my knowledge, Alex Jones has not uh, threatened to kill anybody. He has not uh, called for the rape and or murder of of anybody. Um, he said terrible things. Don't get me wrong, but there's a difference between actionable speech that's calling for violence or or harm to somebody and just speech that's really gross. Uh, and, and you have to ask the question, OK, why is Louis Farrakhan still on Twitter if it's just speech that is really odious? You know, why is Media Matters for America allowed to stay on Twitter, pretending to be a public a public education foundation or whatever it calls itself? It's a 501c3. It's it's a it's a taxpayer boondoggle uh, of of left wing attack ideology. That That's all Media Matters is. It's a really. Uh, it's it's one of the few organizations I'll tell you that when I've had to come across Media Matters people, I I actively dislike them because uh, I, I think that they're trying to really harm people, destroy people's livelihoods, and they're not judicious about it at all. They just want to they just want to ruin people. They're a bit like Gawker, which was a website that Peter Thiel, man, people have he's done a lot of great stuff in the business world. I don't think anything he's done is as great as take the takedown of, of Gawker, which was a site dedicated to the destruction of human beings, reputations and lives. And it was just it was the worst. It was a sewer. Um, anyways, jo- look, Jones is really he's really bad stuff. He's come after me a couple of times. I, I find him to be both laughable as in pathetic and laughable as in somewhat entertaining sometimes because he's he's unintentionally uh quite you know quite uh, amusing at times but this is not going to stop with jones it's not going to be the end of it next they're going to go after and they're going to build they're smart about this folks next they're going to go after bannon you know next they're going to go after somebody that they say has some ties to white nationalists or something and and you know i can tell you that this has come up with a few of my liberal colleagues recently where they've said, you know, I, I heard that so-and-so has ties to white nationalists. You know, can you really, are you really okay with having that person, say, on your radio show or on your, or, or, and I say, what does that mean, ties to white, I mean, is the person a white nationalist? Does the person actively associate with white nationalists? If the answers to those questions are no, what are we really talking about here? Um, it, once you start to see these stories, and, and you already know about the double standard, right? But the stories about, how they want people fired. The left wants conservatives fired for attending things where somebody else attended, you know, that that is a bad person, basically. I mean, the the guilt by association that they're doing now and really diving into people's social media history and, and everything, you know, they are in a takedown campaign. They can't win the battle of ideas, folks. They got nothing. Socialism fails. All right. It's fa- it fails. And Americans actually do. when Americans know what it is, they don't want it. So they want to control the distribution of information because they can't win in a battle over information. And that's why the Alex Jones Twitter Twitter was the last holdout and now they've banned him. It's troubling because I know and you know 
This is not the end of it. This is not, oh, okay, it's just going to be Alex Jones. You know, they had, folks, I mean, I, I have tremendous respect for uh, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, um, other people, too, who I can't think of off the top of my head. But, the, but those two, for example, and, you know, they their names will appear in, uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, as part of the intellectual dark web. I mean, there, there was a New Yorker piece, I think it was, or maybe it was New York Magazine, where they talked about uh, a, a straight-up white nationalist and then Ben Shapiro, and then I think it was Jordan Peterson. It's like those people do not belong together at all. You know, there's not, there's no similarity. It's just smear. That's what they're doing. They're trying to smear people. They're going to continue to do it. And and they're, this is a, this is a movement, folks. This is something that's, it's growing. It's current. It's, it's happening right now. And they're trying to rack up as many wins as they possibly can and to create more momentum so they can get, because once you're deplatformed, you know, then you got to kind of try to, Scratch your way back into relevance and into the conversation. And this is why I've been saying for a long time, and I, I, I don't like to be that guy. I've been saying, I've been, but you know, it's true that these Silicon Valley giants, this is how they, uh, this is how the left starts to win the national conversation again. That's once you understand those are the stakes. And by the way, I would love for more of you to be on Twitter. It's one thing that if, you know, I'm not a Twitter pitch man, I'm not trying to, you know, get their numbers, get their numbers up. But it's a great way for all of us to communicate with each other. It really is. And it's a really good way once you develop a facility with it for in very rapid fashion, seeing what's going on and seeing what people are saying about something. And conservatives, folks, we are not on Twitter in, in, in big numbers. We are not. We are, you know, I, I, think, I think when I was at The Blaze and we did some audience testing to get a sense of what the social media presence was, of the people listening to this radio show, over 90% of you are on Facebook. Um, and uh, now some are very active, some are not that active. And that's across all. So I, I've got I've got 20-year-olds. I've got people actually I think who are even you know, 14, 15, 16 to listen to this show based on some of the call-ins and emails we've gotten. And I got people going all the way up probably into triple digits. You know, and we, we, we cover the whole range. And about 90% plus of you are on Facebook. Less than 5% of you, I think it's even more like less than 2% of you listening to this broadcast are on Twitter. And I, I understand. Look, it doesn't mean that you need to be sharing your thoughts. I know it's a liability for people, but it's a great. You don't have to even put up a photo of yourself. You just use it as a means of sorting through news and commentary. And also when Buck does something on TV or whatever, you can be like, hey, Buck, I saw you. That was good. Which will cancel out the mean liberals who are like, why don't you go shut your face? Because your face and I'm like, but I just wanted to talk about tax policy. Why can't we be friends? Shut up. Your face. Uh, I guess life says your face and you win the argument. So uh, the Twitter, Twitter banned Alex Jones, folks. There's more of this coming. Keep an eye on it. This is going to be a battle. And it, it, does, it does really matter. The implications here are, are major. Uh, and there's a lot, of, um, a lot at stake, including... Really, who's going to be in power in this country going forward? So uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with me. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. 
That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Buck. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there, though. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day, folks. I've used ZipRecruiter for hiring, and I've got some great colleagues now that we found through this site. I can attest to it myself from personal experience. It works. You'll get the best people for whatever your job posting is. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. Papadopadopoulos, turns out, going to be giving his first televised interview tomorrow. Uh, For those who just need a quick refresher, George Papadopoulos, it is a fun name to say, he is the former Trump foreign policy advisor who is uh, facing some prison time because he apparently lied to the special counsel Robert Mueller uh, my understanding is he lied about a very trivial thing, um, but uh, this is going to be his first on-air interview tomorrow where Papadopoulos will deal with the fact that he's been charged with lying to investigators. Uh, let me say a few things about this. First of all, he's going on a Jake Tapper show. I uh, am not a, I'm not a Jake Tapper fan. As those of you listening to this broadcast know, I think that he's a, an enormous fraud and incredibly smug and sanctimonious and loves to, he spends an inordinate amount of time talking about how much he, he loves the troops. I'm like, why don't you just, it shouldn't feel like a brand building exercise, Jake. You know, let's, we, we, we all love the troops. Calm, calm down. Uh, but he's going to be doing this interview with Papadopoulos. I have to assume, uh, I have to assume that it is because Papadopoulos wants a little bit of sympathy from the establishment because CNN has been, the pinnacle of Trump resistance really in the media. I mean, that's why I talk about CNN as much as I do on the show, because they are the most aggressively anti-Trump while still clinging to this fiction that they are not partisan, which is just, it's an it's an insult. That's what, you know, Wolf Blitzer and Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper and, and the rest of the crew over there pretending that they do not have an agenda, which is an anti-Trump agenda, is offensive and the fact that they're so smug about it still and say, you know, we're just doing journalism. I mean, Jim Acosta thinks he's still a journalist. This is offensive. But I understand why Papadopoulos would go on Tapper's show. It's because this is an, this is the equivalent of the Michael Cohen interview with, I think it was um, not Papadopoulos, but Stephanopoulos, uh, that he was making essentially an act of contrition to the establishment to say, hey guys, you know, I'm I'm not with Trump anymore. You know, please go easy on me. I'm, you know, please give me a little bit of give me some leeway here. Let's let's try to be friends sometime in the future or something, right? He's essentially begging for forgiveness uh, because, by the way, you know, he the reason that that he was um, the the reason that they that he got uh, nailed was that Papadopoulos they say admitted to lying about his contact with Joseph Mifsud. I'm seeing here. 
and so Mifsud was the guy who it looks like was run as a an information gatherer, a source against the Trump campaign. So the fact that the FBI may have nailed Papadopoulos for lying about his contact with somebody that he only had contact with because the FBI egregiously and in politicized fashion ran this guy as a source against the Trump campaign just goes to show you how messed up this whole thing is. I mean, it, the folks, the whole Mueller probe, first, I, I've really come to believe that most people outside of the Beltway and, you know, the sort of coastal media people and, and, and those who are really into the political fight day in and day out, I think most people just don't really care. They just don't care that much about this anymore. They're, they're sick of it. I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of sick of it. The only reason I stay on it is because, one, I know they're still hoping to use this against the president, right? They're still hoping to leverage this whole situation to damage President Trump. And two, I want to know what really happened here. I mean, I, I tweeted at President Trump today, and I can tell you that, you know, while Trump doesn't necessarily interact with me, I, I, I can reach members of the Trump family and, and people in the White House very easily and, and do when I when I choose to. Um, with You know, I, I'm judicious about it, obviously. And look, I mean, there are people... The Trump White House, you got people that are talking to folks at Fox News like every day, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of connectivity with, with the media. But I tweeted at Trump today. I said, look, man, I, excuse me. I tweeted, Mr. President, not look, man. He's the president of the United States. <laughs> Mr. President, uh, release the FISA docs. I want to see what really happened here with the Carter Page warrant and with anything involving Papadopoulos. We all, we all deserve to see the truth here. Nobody in the UK is going to, no one's life is in danger if their name appears. That's just, a, that's a lie. That's just bunk. It's a big pile of crap. So, you know, I, I'm wondering what Papadopoulos is going to say. I am probably going to have to watch some of Tapper, uh, Jake Tapper. Uh, so I'll have to watch some of, of his interview, uh, which does not thrill me. But nonetheless, I'll, I'll need to know what, uh, what Papadopoulos has to say. Uh, but this whole thing is just ridiculous. It really is. I mean, anyone who I, I had, a, I'll tell you, I had a big fight re, uh, recently with a friend of mine who also, like me, comes from the national security community. He's now on the outside. And she was she was all, oh, you know, don't don't you think don't you trust them, Buck? Meaning the essentially the deep state, but the DOJ, the FBI, don't you trust them to know if Carter Page is a threat? And I'm like, no. I was in the CIA's Iraq office. I don't trust them to just get it right because they say so. No, I do not. And especially when you see some of these individuals who are, are getting in trouble. I mean, some of the people, I mean, I mentioned before, you know, McCabe and what's going to happen there. There's been real misconduct at the DOJ and FBI. I mean, there have been people who have really stepped out of line and are now facing consequences because of it. And we should, you know, we should not forget about that. We shouldn't just brush that aside and act like it hasn't happened. It has happened. It's real. And it's because they hate Trump so much. And so, you know, please do let me know, by the way, you know, if you want, because some people, all they do is cover this issue. And I and some people that I like in the media, but this is all they do. They cover Russiagate. Uh, I try to do a more varied program here. But if you want more Russiagate, more of my thoughts as somebody who had a TS clearance, worked with confidential. Well, we didn't call them that. We call them other things, but work with, you know, agents of the of the federal government and if you if you want me to, to really drill into this more every day but i just feel like we're in this world of 
of unreality in a sense where no matter how much it's shown that this Russia investigation is garbage, people still cling to it because they want to believe it. Because they're just not handling Hillary's loss well. They have not been handling it well. Uh, they they take people take it personally that Hillary didn't win the election. Millions and millions of because liberals have replaced here you go. I'm gonna drop a little bomb at the end here. Liberals have replaced God with their politics. They have. You know, the progressive left, I guess it's kind of rep- repetitive, but the left has replaced God with politics. That's why they can't handle these discussions. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. As we try to evaluate what to do about the skewed social media platforms, the deplatforming movement among liberals, efforts to shut down speech that they don't like, we have to deal with... Uh, Something that is in addition to the trend toward considering conservative ideology hate speech, right? which is you're going to see more of that and trying to tie mainstream conservatives to people who are actually hateful, uh, which you've already seen with a lot of efforts to say, oh, well, somebody who's a conservative was once at a meeting where there was once a person who once was at another meeting where there was a white nationalist present, right? And then, oh my gosh, this person can never be talked to ever again. You're like, wait, but they didn't, they didn't do anything. Um, there's also the problem of, of science, uh, scientific study and science becoming a form of, of hate speech, according to the left. You know, I spoke to you recently about this study at, uh, at Brown University that was repudiated by Brown by the after it was published, Brown pulled it and repudiated it because it has to do with what I called what is called rather rapid onset gender dysphoria. Essentially, if a teenager who has it is usually a same sex, a same sex attracted, has a bunch of friends around him or her who come out as transgender, that person is much more likely to also come out as transgender. That's damaging and problematic to the ideology of transgenderism and transgender rights but it turns out there was an even bigger uh an even bigger issue in this uh i was doing a little bit of research on this little bit of reading and it was about something called trans desistance which was also which is also being studied by some scholars and trans desistance is when somebody uh ceases to view themselves as transgender and in fact, when you study this, what you find is that particularly among teenagers who identify as transgender at one point, the trans desistance numbers, essentially not feeling transgender anymore, is particularly is, is noteworthy. I'll at least say that the numbers, they'll say it needs more study, but it's it's very real and it's there. Um, and I have to say it's. It's astonishing how nasty and vitriolic people get over this issue, but it's because this has become part of a uh, of a social justice movement on the left. They've invested a lot of their political capital into this. And here's what happens if you if there's a recognition of rapid onset gender dysphoria or uh, of transgender desistance. Essentially, people can just kind of decide because of their peer group to be transgender and 
people can no longer feel transgender, especially teenagers, over a period of time. You know what that means, folks? That it is a psychological condition and that there is a component of time sensitivity and choice involved with it. What that would indicate is that people are not, it is not a fundamental, unchangeable part of somebody's critical identity that must be respected and cherished and, and you know, held up for all to, uh, to proclaim as some kind of uh, actualization. No, it's, it's, it may not be that. Um, and this is why, you know, and there's real medical reasoning behind this to, to be concerned. Uh, puberty blockers and hormone treatments can lead to permanent sterilization. So teenagers who think that they're a different gender uh, can put themselves at serious health risk. There's been very little study on this, and doctors are now becoming complicit in it because they don't want the research to be done because anybody who does the research is called a hater, a bigot, hate speech. So once science is being called hate, we have entered into a very dark period, and, and you're seeing it with this transgender rights issue. It's been going on for a while, but it's now becoming more clear because the science is not on the side of transgenderism as an innate and immovable characteristic of identity. It is much, much more clear that it's a psychological condition. And the left doesn't want to hear that. So whenever someone says it, they're going to call them a hater, a bigot, a transphobe. And there was also a, a news story just earlier this week that in the UK, teachers are now being trained to identify transgender students at an early age. Why? Oh, of course, so that they can um, you know, be, be supportive of this concept. They can be supportive of transgenderism and transgender rights and, and all the rest of it, that, that gender uh, dysphoria should really be nursed and, and uh, be assisted along. There, there's a reason, folks, that there's been recently a what is it, a 236% surge in kids wanting sex changes in the past three years in the UK. It's because this has become a fad that is being forced on not just people in general, but on children. I think we should at least look at the science that's involved here before we come to all these judgments. We got roll call coming up. Stay with me. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. We made ours go up to 11. It's time for roll call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Also, you'll notice I'm posting more stuff there, including uh, a short video series we've started on uh, Hill TV called Buck Wild. I wanted to call it Buck Shot, but there were some sensitivities about that. So it had to be called Buck Wild. Uh, but Buck Wild is pretty good. You should check it out. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Please like and share, folks. Uh, let me just tell you, there are some progressives out there who I work with who are also posting videos. Who do you want to get more views? Because we tally them up every week. It's a left versus right battle to the finish. Uh, so you you guys are my my ace up the sleeve on this one. Team Buck. I, I got a little special, little special legion to call upon here. Uh, Julie 
writes, Hi, Buck. Love the show. Well, Julie, you understand great radio, and you're a wonderful person with fantastic taste. I'm just wondering a couple of things. Isn't this anonymous op-ed author complicit now in the tyranny of the Trump era? Is there a flowchart or maybe a family tree of people involved in the whole Russia thing? I think it would be a good idea for Senator Nunes to put a Nunes, Nunes, I was corrected by him, to put a PowerPoint presentation together to explain all the connections before the midterms. Your previous observation about my baby being adorable is correct. She has a photo here of herself and her baby. Uh, He is the cutest baby ever. You had said he looks like the Gerber baby. And actually, his middle name is for my uncle, who was an actual Gerber baby in the early 1940s. Thanks for the great analysis. Shields high, Julie. Uh, well, Julie, he does. He, he could be your baby could sell a lot of baby food. I mean, I'm just going to keep it real with you. Tell it to you like it is. So, you know, you, you might have you might have a little adorable little gold mine there with your baby that could sell baby food. Uh, thank you so much for writing in. As to the flow chart of all the people involved. Yeah, I've actually been thinking about that. There's a part of me that kind of wants to go a beautiful mind on this whole thing and start without minus the the crazy part uh, and create a big uh, chart on the on the wall and and kind of connect it all together and and show what's been going on here and and just how how crazy this whole thing is. I mean, when when you start digging into it, the fact that we've spent as much time as we have and that the government spent the resources that it did to investigate. Papadopoulos and Carter Page, I mean, they should be they should be ashamed. I mean, they should be embarrassed. Carter Page is a nice guy, but is is a threat to nobody and a threat to no one. And and is and is actually a guy who speaks in glowing terms. I mean, people say, oh, Buck, of course he will. But about America and he went to the Naval Academy. The guy says he's a patriot. He just thinks that our policy toward Russia is not very smart. And there's a real case to be made about that. You know, this is not it's not about, oh, Trump and the dossier and all that other. Ugh. So, yeah, I'd, uh, it would be helpful, uh, Julia. I wish I'd add that to the list of all the things I would do if I, if I had a little more time and a little more sanity these days. But uh, the buck is, is busy. Um, but thank you for writing in. Amy writes, read on air at your own risk. Oh, OK. Well, I guess, Amy, I'm, I'm taking the risk because we're we're in real time here. Uh Reporter in Utah thinks that John Huntsman wrote the New York Times hit piece, Possible Motive, 2020 Presidential Run. Via a Utah reporter on Glenn Beck Live, not the show, the reporter used language analysis in Google, found phrases in the piece most closely resemble John Huntsman. Um, Amy, I can tell you that I did see that earlier, and Abby Huntsman, who is currently with The View, so there's that, Abby Huntsman has said uh, definitively it was not her father. And I know Abby a little bit. Uh, she's a sweetheart, actually. Very nice lady. I don't think she would lie about that. And it's one thing if she were silent, but to come out and lie about it would strike me as a little unusual um, and and not smart. So that said, I don't know. You know, we're in a crazy world, folks. People that uh, come at you with certainty on all these matters are certainly full of it. So just remember that. Jen writes love you buck love you too jen been cut uh, catching up on episodes and the beginning of the august 30th episode with all the monkeying around comments had me dying with laughter you should tweet that out uh, about the florida race you know i, I think it's gotten i'm uh, glenn uh glenn you're jen not glenn glenn is my former boss uh jen you are uh 
among many who feel like the monkeying around thing just needed to be screamed from the rooftops because it was such a it was really just a step removed from what we saw earlier this week uh, with uh, Zena Bash, who was said to have a, a white power hand signal that she had flashed when really she just was resting her hand. I mean, can you imagine you show up, you spent your whole life being a, a, a an honest and and uh, and really first class professional in law. You're an advisor to Kavanaugh. You know, you, you've got a husband, you got children. You've never done anything, you know, anything to be ashamed of to anybody that anyone's aware of. And all of a sudden you have blue check reporters running around saying that you're flashing a, a secret white nationalist sign on TV and your grandparents are Holocaust survivors from Poland. You're half Jewish and half Mexican. By the way, Miss Molly is half Jewish and half Mexican. Fun little side note. Um, could you but just think about how that would affect you? I mean, you went I, I can imagine that M- Mrs. Bash went home to her kids that night and you know had to hug them close and be like, what a crazy world we live in. Um Adam writes, quote was from a few good men, Shields High. Yes, Adam, you are correct. Your action movie quote skills. Although A Few Good Men is not an action movie. It's, a, it's a, either a, th- a drama or a thriller, depending on which old school video rental store you're in. Because they used to kind of mix those categories together. Um, but uh, yes, you're correct. I did throw in a, a, in a, in a Few Good Men reference. Uh, Dan Buck, love your show. Haven't heard an episode in at least a month. Womp, womp, why? Please accept my apology. I'm not near a radio where I can listen privately. How lame an excuse is that? Looking forward to some podcasts, maybe even today. Um, Much of the time I get on public computers and get all nostalgic with the 80s and 90s supergroups and super talents, as well as old sci-fi. I'm sorry, Buck. I'm not having thoughts related to your show. Um... Maybe a sign that nothing major is happening. Uh, Ta-ta for now, Dan. Well, Dan, welcome back to the fold, my friend. And I appreciate you can spend time with us, or you spend time with us when you can, as you can. Our buddy TJ, who has a special place in our Freedom Hut heart because he has a Shields High t-shirt in his photo on Facebook, folks. That's dedication to the team. Uh, TJ writes, Buck, after watching you read a Trump tweet on Rising this morning, I've decided to make an executive decision for both Rising and your show podcast about Trump tweets. Officially, from now on, all Trump tweets must be read in Trump's voice. I demand it. Also, if you could throw in a few hand gestures, that'd be nice. That is all. Shields high. TJ, I, I got to be honest with you. I got to come clean on this one. I have not really developed a Trump impersonation. Remember I had Obama. I just Obama on the show. And it sound like this. Because this is when he was doing studious Obama. And he would talk in this cadence. And it was. And then when he was. All, that was when he was you know, kind of in his rhythm. Then sometimes he'd do the. And. Uh, but. And. And he, you know, he had a very. Almost a, a, a tick in the way that he would speak. And. And. He would always do this. This and thing. Um, I do not have a. Of course, I've got Bernie. Bernie Sanders is right here. And we have Governor Cuomo, who is always up here. So, you know, you've got some of these different characters. I don't have a Trump yet. And Trump is like a Trump for me is the political impersonation equivalent of a Scottish accent or uh, or an Australian accent where people think they can do it because they've heard it. But then when they try it, they just sound like they're having some kind of a stroke, you know, like I put a shrimp on the barbie or, you know, they, they don't, they don't know, you know, hey, I'm, I'm Scottish. That's the only thing that most people could do with this guy. Hey, I'm Scottish. 
All right, well, you got to be able to say more than that. Aye, laddie. Aye, laddie, I'm Scottish. That's about it, yeah. This is like uh, when I ask somebody, you know, if, when I start speaking Arabic, I can get a, a few sentences out, and then I pretty much have to tap out. Uh, yeah, I don't have a Trump yet. I, I know it's a, it's a deficiency. I'm sorry. I feel like I've let some of you down with that. Um, I, I, he's hard, man. I, he's a very rich character, but his... He, you know, he doesn't really have an accent. He has a way of speaking, his word choice and hand gestures. I will say that really Alec Baldwin is one of the better Trump impersonators I've seen. Alec Baldwin's very talented actor. He is. I mean, his politics are terrible, but he's a very talented actor. Um, all right. Next up here is Bob, who writes, listening to last night's podcast, quote was from a few good men. Bob, you are correct, my friend. You, uh. Savor the flavor because, well, that's actually part of a quote. Let's see if you get that one. Uh, steady state versus deep state. This is from Gregor. Hmm, sounds a bit familiar. Steady state is committed to continuing the struggle to liberate the parent land from the ha- uh, hands of the Trump drain the swamp aggressors. Deep state, if you want to join the you've got to really hate Trump, hmm, uh, dedicated to the continuing the struggle. I don't know. Gregor, you kind of lost me here, man, but thank you. <laughs> thank you anyway for sending in your note. I appreciate it. I couldn't really understand what's going on here. Um, that's going to be it for today, team. we got a show tomorrow. We'll do a double roll call tomorrow, so we'll get in some of the ones that we had to skip over today. Uh, prepare for early podcast next week. I really, I'm going to ask you all for this one, all right? Next week, all of you who listen to this radio show, even if you're going to listen to Radio Live, subscribe to that podcast just so you have it, just so it's there. And, and we can show that, you know, we have the full digital reach of the team when we need it. Uh, I'm going to drop the first one Monday before lunchtime. It's, it's going to be, think of it like a preview of the evening show, but you're getting it early. So you'll get a full hour preview before we do the three-hour radio show at night. So we're going to podcast, podcast first, if you will, and then three hours of the Freedom Hunt. Uh, that's, that's the plan. That's what we got going on. So uh, please join for that. I will see you tomorrow or talk to you tomorrow. Shields high. Team Buck, it's an honor and a privilege to bring you my thoughts on all the things that matter to us as Americans every day. And your opinion matters a whole heck of a lot to me. You know that. That's why I love Roll Call so much. It's also why I'm excited to tell you about a new social media site, snippy.com. If you're frustrated with the discourse on your social media pages, if you're tired of the obvious shadow banning and left-wing progressive nonsense that's going on in the conventional social media platforms, Snippy is what you need. Its founders have created a forum where people feel free to express their thoughts, frustrations, ideas, anything. You can write about what's on your mind, share photos, strike up a conversation, all on snippy.com. Enjoy freedom of expression without suppression from left-wing administrators. This is a place where discussion is valued, a place where your opinion matters. Snippy.com is free to join, open to all. Jump in, let your opinions be heard. No censorship, no agenda. Snippy.com, again, S-N-I-P-P-Y.com.